Welcome to Getting Legal With It, a podcast for Colorado young lawyers by Colorado young lawyers. I'm your host, Kevin Cheney. For those listening to us for the first time, I'm a personal injury and criminal defense lawyer here in Colorado. I graduated from the University of Colorado Law School in 2014 and founded my practice, Cheney Galuzzi and Howard LLC, a short time later. I'm a member of the Colorado Trial Lawyers Association, where I am its co-chair of the New Lawyers Division and also serve on its executive and legislative committees. I'm also a member of the Colorado Criminal Defense Bar Association. And finally, I serve on the Colorado Bar Association's Board of Governors, the CBA Executive Committee, and the CBA Young Lawyers Division Executive Council. If you're interested in learning more about any of these wonderful organizations, please feel free to shoot me an email at kevin at cghlawfirm.com. This podcast is created and sponsored by the Colorado Bar Association's Young Lawyers Division. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you bi-weekly episodes with information that is both fun and informative for young lawyers. We have some awesome guests lined up and we're just getting started. If you like our podcast, please, please, please leave us a review and tell it, tell your colleagues. With that, let's jump right in. I'm really excited uh, for our guest today, uh, Ms. Danae Woody, or owner of the Woody Law Firm and outgoing chair of the Colorado Bar Association's Young Lawyers Division Executive Council. Danae, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you for having me, Kevin. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. I know we have some really exciting uh, stuff to talk about today. Uh, let's just kind of start and talk a little bit about you. Um, where are you from? So I was born in Florida, and I was raised mostly in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. I've lived lots of places in between. Um, I lived in Hawaii for a time. I've lived in South Korea for a time, and I've lived in Denver for the last 10 years. What part of uh, Hawaii? I actually lived in Honolulu for a little over four years. I went to college out there. Oh, I lived in Honolulu and did a little bit of time in the North Shore area. Nice. Very nice. Uh, and so where uh, did you go to law school? I went to DU. What, uh, what brought you to Denver or DU? So originally, I started law school at the University of St. Thomas in Minneapolis, and my husband was transferred to Denver for a job, so I transferred too, and we've been here ever since. Fair. Uh, I actually think we had a prior guest, uh, Ryan Payton, who I think actually went to St. Thomas as well. Yes, she did. Uh, she uh, had good things to say. Uh, it's, a, it's like a social justice kind of focused yes. school up there, right? Yes. Nice. Uh, well, what uh, what made you want to be a lawyer? What attracted you to the law in the first place? So after undergrad, I actually I didn't go to law school right away. I worked uh, for a while in um, the energy industry. And in 2008, it became difficult for some people in the, in the country to get a job or keep a job, if, if you recall some of that time period. Um, so I had been working in the energy industry for a little while and found myself unemployed and had never been unemployed since I'd been 14 years old and started to evaluate my career choices and really was looking for a career that was going to be a little bit more stable and was going to perhaps uh, help me outlive some of the possible recessions that that may come around. And <laughs> uh, turns out that was, a, that was a decent idea. So I went to law school because I just, I wanted a little bit more stability. What's, um, what I find personally uh, fascinating about my journey to law school and to becoming a lawyer though, is that I didn't actually set out to become a practicing lawyer. I was interested in the academics of it. And I was really fascinated by the law and that there's so much 
that people can do with a law degree and do in the law. And there are so much access that people have with a law degree behind them. And I sort of went with a clean slate and decided to just see what happened. It's, I always find it so interesting, people's journey to the law. You know, we've shot several episodes at this point, and you have some people that uh, kind of knew law school was for them from the get-go, and then others that kind of just kind of stumbled into it by uh, circumstance. And I think that can be so important for young lawyers and law students as well, that it's okay not to have everything figured out. You Absolutely. know, like it's, it's okay to just kind of see where life takes you in some respects. Uh, and, uh, it's, that's, that's totally all right. So, uh, you weren't necessarily interested in practicing law when you first went, when did that shift and you, when did you make that decision or, or kind of understand that, Hey, I am going to be a practicing lawyer? Well, relatively quickly, once I got into law school, I realized everybody around me was really trying to get jobs and they were really focused on jobs. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember uh, before law school, I was unemployed and I was pretty job focused too. So I started to examine the different career paths available and was trying different things out, um, tried a couple internships and um, really just, again, it was a little bit of a process of elimination. I was trying different uh, subjects, different topics, different uh, jobs to see what I liked. And I found that I I got a job in a, fam- a small family law firm in Denver in my second year in law school and really liked it. And I, I thought that, huh, this, this is something, this is something I could stick with for a while. And then I really found that I just grew into that and it, it just fit. So along those lines, uh, obviously some of our l- listeners are still in law school. What advice would you give to young lawyers that are trying to figure out where they fit in, where they, they land uh, in the legal profession and kind of what focus or practice area um, they should focus on? I think it's really important for young lawyers, law students and, and young lawyers, to try things out with an eye toward what works best for them as opposed to what they think works for people around them. Um, in law school, I remember the sensation of looking around at what other people seemed to be doing and noticing that they seemed to have things figured out for themselves. When come to find out down the road, looking back, many of us didn't have it figured out. We're just pretty good actors. Sometimes. That's right. <laughs> and so I think it's it's not about what is making someone else happy or what somebody else's path is or what, what other jobs people have landed that they think are prestigious. What's going to be most important is what really fits for that, for, for that lawyer. And I think if a lawyer fights that and fights that instinct, they may end up stuck for far too long and end up unhappy down the road. You know, I think you made a, a really great point that sometimes in law school, you can look around and think that, wow, everyone else has it figured out or everyone else knows what they're doing. Um, but I think the reality is that that's often a, a mask that very few people actually know exactly what they're doing. And we're all just kind of trying to fake it till we make it, I guess, for for lack of a better term. Exactly. I felt like I, now looking back, I, I feel like I know that the majority of us were faking it till we made it. But we were all really good fakers at the time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's a skill you learn early on. Right. Um, well, I, that's actually a great segue. Um, so obviously you did end up in family law. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so I'd like to talk a little bit about um, that. First, 
Um, so I think most of our listeners probably have a general understanding, but for those who don't or would like a little bit more specifics, what does family law really entail? Okay. So the, the meat of it is divorce and child custody work. We do, um, a little bit of adoption work, uh, a little bit of premarital agreements and postmarital agreements. And my firm handles uh, some family law appeals, so appeals arising from those kinds of cases. But for the most part, um, relationships that are ending, either marriages that are ending or uh, relationships with no marriage but that involve children, um, there are a lot of rights and interests involved, and that's what we do. And what attracted you um, to family law? Was it the the work? Was it the people? What what kind of brought you to that area? So it was uh, very much by chance. When I was in law school, I as I mentioned, I was trying different things out to see what I liked. My undergrad, my bachelor's degree is in psychology, and when I was in undergrad, I I imagined for a time that I might. Uh, grow up, so to speak, to become a uh, psychologist or a psychiatrist. And so this isn't all that far off from that, <laughs> uh, looking back. But I I tried some things out, and I realized that, like I said, family law just seemed to fit at the time. And it really, it, it really works for me because I get to work with real people. I can relate to them. Um, I feel like I'm working toward – I'm working for – families and and I have an opportunity in my job to really impact the world around me um, at a micro level, but in a way that I hope grows. So when I am able to help families start over and start fresh and maintain some sense of civility and maintain a focus on the health of their children and the relationships that their children are going to have as they get older, I feel like I'm able to make a positive impact on those people's lives who will then hopefully go on to make other positive impacts. What does the kind of day-to-day work in a family law practice look like? Are you in court most of the time? Are you meeting with clients? Are you reading and writing documents? Are you going over financial records? Like what's the, what's a typical day kind of look like for you? It's all of those things. I would, I would describe it more in terms of a week. So in, in a week we have uh, several court appearances, whether they're status conferences or hearings, we have a lot of document review, a lot of financial analysis, client consultation, uh, lots of research sometimes. So it's really a lot. And every day is looks very, very different. And you, you indicated, uh, I think, uh, a little earlier kind of what you liked best about family law and your ability to help people and kind of steer them through this process and to uh, help families get to a, a resolution, whatever that looks like. What would you say is the hardest part about working in family law? The hardest part about this practice area is um, – that sometimes there are just really intense, heavy emotions. And sometimes a divorce or a custody battle can be like a death in the family for people. And it's really difficult. Um, And sometimes their lawyer is the person who gets to help them through even even those really gut-wrenching moments. So um, that can be tough. It can be tough to be that person's guide through the, through those feelings and emotions. Um, it's also really rewarding afterward. And so often I get phone calls about a year after the process starts. And so probably a few months after it's over, but about a year from the time it starts. And I recognize a night and day difference between, uh, in my clients from where they started emotionally and where they've gotten to. Um, and so it's, it can be really, really tough being there in the beginning and, and great being there at the end. 
How do you deal? So I've only worked on one family law case, and that that was enough for me. Uh, <laughs> but I have talked to enough family lawyers uh, who have shared basically what you just did, that it can be very, very emotionally taxing um, work. And in that way, I think it's very similar to uh, public defenders or immigration lawyers. It's just very, very emotionally taxing um, work. What are some of your... Uh, tips or methods for dealing with that kind of emotional burden uh, that is going to happen in at least some of your cases? So um, I have a few associates at my firm now, and I really enjoy um, training young lawyers and and working with young lawyers and helping them through some of these kinds of challenges. And um, one of the important things for lawyers to remember is that they have a job to do, and they're going to be most effective at their job if they're able to stay a little bit of objective and um, not take on the emotional battle and the emotional struggle. That's not to say we have to eliminate empathy, but our clients don't need us to be their best friend or their mom or their yoga instructor. Our clients need us to be their lawyer and they need us to be strong and advise them even when there are certain things they may not want to hear. And it's important to maintain certain emotional boundaries so that that, the, that role um, can remain well-defined and effective for the clients. That's some really good advice. Uh, what else, how to phrase this, I would say, if there was one thing that you could kind of go back and tell uh, yourself you know, five or six years ago when you were kind of getting into the practice uh, about you know, being a young lawyer in the family law world, what, what would you tell your, your past self um, that you kind of wish you had known then? I would probably go back and tell myself, you're better at this than you think you are right now. Being a young lawyer starting out, I think, in most practice areas is really hard because I think lawyers generally, the kinds of people who who grow up to become lawyers are used to being relatively good at the things they put their minds to, and they're used to succeeding, and that's that's just... Um, that's a trait that many of us share. And so lawyers go through law school, they pass the bar exam, they get a job, and they've worked really, really hard, but they feel accomplished. And then they find themselves in a job where they're probably, they're probably, if not, well, they're the least experienced lawyers that they know, but they're also just, they're, they just don't have it yet. They don't know very much. And that's a really difficult thing, I think, uh, intellectually for people to grapple with. And um, several, several young lawyers that I came up with and that I mentor now struggle with that. And, and so really that's the big thing that I would focus on is to say, look, you're, you're, gonna, you're better at this than you think you are, and you're going to be great at this. Uh, you just gotta, you just gotta hang in there. It's a process. I think that's such important advice. You know, I look back at when I was first starting out and I really had no idea what I didn't know, right? Like it was, there was so much that you didn't know, but you don't even really know what you don't know, uh, to the extent that makes sense. And, you know, you look back and you think, wow, like, you know, I, I made it. But the, the reality is, is that first year lawyers eventually become second year lawyers and they right. eventually become five year lawyers. And then all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're mentoring the the new crop and right. you kind of are like, wow, I, I really did make it. And uh, and that's true, I think, for the vast majority of, of young lawyers. And so sometimes it just takes taking a second and taking a deep breath and being like, I am here, I'm qualified and I am going to, you know, be successful at this. Exactly. 
Um, well, well, speaking of success, I'd like to talk a little bit about your law firm. Okay. Uh, obviously, you uh, own your own law firm, and it is doing well. And I think that's something that more and more young lawyers ha- are kind of thinking about, um, you know, whether that is a path uh, for them. Um, so how did you kind of decide or what was your journey to opening up your law firm? So when I became a lawyer, I always is a big word, but I'll I'll just go with it. I I always thought eventually I would be a partner in a firm or own my own firm. And I knew that from a really early time. However, I didn't anticipate quite so early, uh, doing it quite so early. So I, I went out on my own a year and a half into practice. And looking back at that, it terrifies me still uh, it was exhilarating and fun, and I had amazing mentors, and um, I had a business coach at the time who really who was invaluable in helping me get things up and running. Um, a year and a half out, though, is it's it's not that much time, and looking back, I am so so glad that I did it, and I'm so glad that I had the relationships that I did and the support that I did in the legal community because. Um, it's one of it's one of the greatest things I did for my career. And so for people who are thinking about it and nervous or concerned about whether they have the chops, um, it's those are those are worthy considerations. But if it's something that somebody's really interested in, like you, Kevin, I mean, you you know this. It's if running your firm is is something you think you want to do, it it's a life changer. You know, it's it's interesting uh, speaking with you about this and speaking with other people that that started their own firm, and you know, the vast majority of them say the same thing. And I, you know, my partner and I launched our firm, I think maybe three days after we got licensed, and it, you know, at the t- thinking about, you know, back then, it was just such a scary experience. Um, but you did say something, and this is actually a, a common theme. I think I've talked about it in every single podcast that we've done, uh, the importance of finding mentors. Um, and I know from my experience that that literally was the only reason that our firm made it and that I probably didn't get sued for malpractice Same. was, was I had, you know, a couple people that I called probably almost every day. And then I had a few other ones that I would check in with maybe once or twice a week. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, your experience with mentors and how important that is for young lawyers and law students to find people that they feel comfortable just asking pretty much anything? Yeah, it's so important. Um, Like you said, Kevin, you don't know what you don't know. And it's the gut instinct to pick up the phone and talk to someone that you think does know that is really important. That's that's how many of us still have our law licenses because um, there are so many things hidden in the weeds, so many issues that that young lawyers, super young lawyers, don't always see and don't always recognize. But knowing when to pick up the phone and say, "Hey, what am I missing? Am I covering it? Is there anything else? Um, please, will you teach me? Please, will you explain this? Can I take you out to coffee? Can I buy you lunch?" That is so important, and it's it's invaluable because as a young lawyer. We start out, like we were talking a few minutes ago, we start out hardly knowing anything. And then after a while, we know how to do a few things. And then a a few more months go by and we know how to do a few more things. And so we're constantly adding to our repertoire and we're adding to our experience and our skill set. And as a young lawyer, that's, that's the best thing a person can do for their career is to continue to learn and grow in whatever way they can. And ultimately, more experienced lawyers, they just have, they have what we need. And we, we need to learn from them. And it's, 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 it's interesting to see how it kind of changes over time. So I'm no longer 
calling someone every day talking about, you know, how do I file a motion or, you know, hey, is there, you know, a a case on this? But now it's gotten to a point where I'm calling people for more advanced questions like, you know, should I hire an associate or a paralegal? Right. Or what are some advanced kind of marketing strategies, you know, you've used or, hey, I have this really unique case and there's no law on this topic. What do you what do you think is a good kind of argument to kind of create this new little uh, subsection of law? So it's really a, an ongoing process that, you know, you can be 55 and still have mentors and still have people that you call, um, which I think is super important. What, what would you say is your favorite or most rewarding aspect of owning your own firm? For me, it's the ability to um, – I get to bridge various – uh, worlds and various activities. Um, owning my own firm gives me the flexibility to volunteer in the community as much as I want without having to answer to anybody about my time. That's fantastic for me. Um, I would be a bad employee because I don't really like to answer to anybody else about <laughs> the things I want to do. So I get to volunteer as much as I want. And that looks that 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 looks different to me in a given week or a given month. Um, I'm also in a situation where I get to build something, um, from a business perspective, running the business, the business of law is fun for me. Um, growing my firm is fun dealing with people. Um, there are times when HR and employment issues are less than fun, but I haven't had to deal with uh, much trouble in that area. And just the, the relationships that are developed through um, growing a practice and even seeing some of my former associates uh, move on in the world and move on through their careers and getting to watch what they have done after after we, we've worked together. Um, that's been incredibly rewarding. And then I get to practice law too. So I have almost three different jobs. And when I get sick of one, I can go work on the other one for a while and come back to it. You know, I hadn't really thought about it like that, but you're right. I mean, it really is like you have several different jobs or at least several different hats within the same job. And it can be nice to, to switch gears sometimes so you don't get burnt out. Um, flip side of that question, what is the most difficult aspect of running your own firm? The most difficult part is um, that our time and our reputations are a commodity. Um, reputation is that part's great. That that's not difficult. The part that is difficult for me sometimes is time. Sometimes, uh, cases demand a lot of time at the same time that business issues are demanding attention. For instance, um, tax day rolls around and there are certain things that need to be done. And if that coincides with several case deadlines, that can be very challenging. Um, being the firm owner, everything, everything falls to the owner or the owners. Um, and so it can be, it can be a lot of weight to carry here and there, uh, at times, but I definitely, I definitely think that the positive parts outweigh any of the negatives any day. With that kind of in mind, um, I'm sure there are some listeners that are uh, considering or actively planning on launching their own firm. Um, what would be uh, one piece of advice that you would give to either a law student or a young lawyer who is thinking about opening up their own practice? I would recommend um, the business coach for me was huge. And the reason is because we're barely taught how to be lawyers in law school, but <laughs> we're certainly not taught how to be law firm owners in law school. And 
I told you I was a psychology major, so I don't have any business background. I had to come up with it and I had to find it. Um, so a business coach is really helpful for people if they um, want to, if they if they're truly interested in setting up a law practice, because again, our our commodities are our time and our reputations, and so. We need, as as lawyers and as firm owners, we need to be focusing on the things that we're good at, at being good lawyers and practicing law well, and um, sometimes trying to set up someone's own books and bookkeeping or um, answer someone's own phones is not really going to be the best use of their time, and sometimes we need to be told what to focus on, and sometimes even business owners and law firm owners need to be managed a little bit. And I, I certainly found that the business coach was incredibly helpful. It also helps to have someone to bounce things off of. I uh, I think that's a great answer. I You're absolutely right that they really teach you very little, if anything, about how to run your own law firm right. in law school and how to think like a business person uh, because you are both kind of the CEO and marketer and, you know, but also a lawyer. And then you're also a manager and HR and pretty much everything else under the sun, especially in those first few years. Right. And so it can be, I think, extremely valuable to have somebody who's done it and who can kind of walk you through um, those processes. Um, I want to turn our attention to um, some CBA kind of things. Uh, before we jump into our, our main topic, which is the YL. Um, I know that you are also involved in CBA uh, CLE, um, which is uh, kind of an offshoot uh, of the bar. Uh, What drew you to kind of be interested in in working with CBA CLE? So I've always been interested, or not always, but since becoming a lawyer, I've been interested in um, the development of other young lawyers. And I have this uh, sort of pay it forward feeling for for me. I like to... um, I like to mentor and I like to teach, and I'm very concerned that the law as a profession is and has been for a long time a very exclusive place. And um, when I was first sworn in as a lawyer, the typical CLE presenters were still um, gray-haired white men standing, talking, droning on in a relatively monotonous way. And that's how we were supposed to get our 15 credits of continuing legal education. There are old white men in the legal profession? (laughs) No way. (laughs) And they could often be found teaching CLEs. (laughs) So um, I recognized an opportunity to get involved and to start helping to change at least that part of it, um, to help put young lawyers up on the stage a little bit more often, help get young lawyers more experience in speaking and more exposure to the bar in those ways. And so that we can help make it more fun for, for those of us who are sitting in the audience. And it's, it's been really, really cool in recent years to watch the different ways that younger lawyers are teaching and the ways that audiences are learning. And I'm finding myself a lot more engaged. And so, um, joining the CLE board was something I did because I was really invested in sort of being a part of the way we change legal education. What kind of things, um, I know there's like different passes and such like that, but what kind of things uh, does CBA CLE kind of offer for young lawyers um, if, you, if, if, if you're a young lawyer or a law student even who's kind of interested in, in you know, taking these CLEs and things like that? So for law students, um, it's not marketed super well, but if you're listening to this podcast, then you got a leg up. Uh, For law students, if there's a CLE that you'd like to attend, you can call the CBA CLE offices and let them know you're a law student and that you'd like to attend for free. 
and they should make that happen for you. And if they don't, tell them I said that they might. <laughs> um, and maybe they'll change their mind. So in the, uh, about two years ago, um, we determined to allow law students to attend CLEs for free if and when possible. And so here and there, when there are certain costs, it's not possible. But for the most part, especially for the CLEs that take place at the Bar Association offices, those are free for law students. And that's a great way for law students to start to meet other lawyers and network and get to sit in those rooms that they're going to eventually be sitting in for a long time, get some exposure that way. For young lawyers, um, there's the New Lawyer Edge Pass, which I believe is a three-year program, where a dis- essentially a CLE discount program where young lawyers can get access to a whole lot of CLEs for, for an incredibly discounted price. And then um, a really fun initiative that CBA, YLD, and CLE have been working on Um, are these CLE and social programs that we put on quarterly. And they're free CLEs that are generally on topics of interest to young lawyers and frequently taught by young lawyers uh, when possible. And we try to pair them with some sort of social um, component so that there's a free CLE on some fun topic that's um, generally interesting. And then we get to talk and hang out. And we're being creative in COVID times with regard to how we run that social element, but um, check it out. There are going to be some really fun virtual events that still that mean that are, that we're where we're able to maintain that social element as well. And then um, as soon as we all are allowed to come back in person, don't miss the first couple in person social CLE and socials because I think they're going to be fun. Uh, indeed, they they are fun, <laughs> and I. You know, I think back, uh, again, not knowing anything, just starting my practice, how helpful it was um, to take some of those CLEs. I think it's too often we just think of it as a, a burden. Hey, I got to get X amount of credits. And, uh, and that may be the case some of the time. You know, I personally don't enjoy having to do six hours of ethics, but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's important uh, nonetheless. But if you really go into the CLEs like trying to learn something, to, mm-hmm. to say, hey, this is a, a practice area that, you know, I'm not really going to practice in fully, but it's kind of uh, tangentially related to my practice area. And so, hey, I should know a little bit about tax or I should know a little bit about family law because there may be an intersection. Um, and there's some really good, I think, kind of basic level CLEs, especially for young lawyers that, you know, may not qualify you to, you know, open up a practice after one hour, (laughs) but certainly can give you enough that you can understand the terminology and kind of understand some of the basics so that you can, uh, you know, better advise your clients or just be a better lawyer, kind of understand uh, the larger strategy and kind of how it all um, plays together. Uh, I think that is a a good segue into kind of our main topic today, uh, which is uh, the Colorado Bar Association's Young Lawyers Division. Now, I know you were uh, active on the executive council for several years and now chair uh, emeritus, uh, or I'm not sure if that's the exact title or not, uh, uh, but you recently just completed your uh, year term as our uh, chairwoman. Um, What brought you, and I think you kind of hinted at this before when we were talking about CLE, but what brought you to the the Young Lawyers Division Executive Council? So I joined the Executive Council in 2015 as a very young lawyer, and it was something that I thought was really important as a way for me to meet other young lawyers, other like-minded young lawyers who wanted to have an impact on the profession. And I found it to be a place where um, we as a group could be creative. We could, um, it, it was a safe place for idea sharing and um, 
it was a respectful place to really uh, entertain visions about what we wanted to do and then implement those things and really be able to work together with lawyers from other practice areas and uh, meet other people that I'm not going to meet because not ever. Not everybody practices in the same area. And um, I have so many friends and so many colleagues and mentors and mentees and so many people from outside of family law. And I owe a lot of those connections to not only my involvement with YLD, but also with CLE and some of the other bar organizations. So um, I was initially drawn to YLD as my first my first home within the bar. I think coming at this from kind of a high level perspective, what is the purpose of YLD or, or you know, why, why does it exist? So the Young Lawyers Division, um, I, I think I sort of gave, it, gave my answer away a sentence or two ago, but YLD is a place for young lawyers to feel at home within the bar. Um, for, for those of us who join the profession, feeling like the profession is a little bit of an exclusive club of sorts, and we're looking for a way to get in and to fit in. The Young Lawyers Division is an easy entree into that. Um, it's a place that's welcoming. It's a place where we can get together and talk about issues that are relevant to us. We can talk about jobs. We can talk about um, issues in the world. Really, it's, it's like I said, it's a kind of a home uh, for young lawyers, and it's there to provide young lawyers some access into the bar and as a way for young lawyers to um, get some exposure and to um, begin to flex a little bit of leadership and learn about leadership and uh, help help their own help foster and develop their own careers. And I think you had obviously mentioned the CLE socials that we put on in conjunction with CBA CLE. Um, and obviously, uh, with the, in the time of COVID, uh, things are a little bit different. But traditionally, what kind of events or things does CBA YLD kind of put on? Oh, my goodness. So many things. And really, CBA YLD, we have members from um, all backgrounds and heritages and walks of life. And so we do try to be all things to all people. Uh, we try to offer things that are going to... Um, they're going to be inclusive for as many members as possible. So we offer a lot of wellness activities and outdoor activities. So um, COVID times aside, we have uh, whitewater rafting in the summers. We hike 14ers. Um, we do other kinds of hikes around Colorado. Um, we do morning coffee events and coffee CLEs. Um, in February, we did a uh, coffee talk with judges for young lawyers who are interested in becoming judges one day. Um, we do really the sky's the limit. And like when I said that we get to be creative, um, a lot of times in our board meetings, we all sit around thinking about ways to connect with young lawyers and ways to bring them together. Um, so many young lawyers have children. And so we do family friendly events in parks. Um, we do some events that involve that are happy hours, the just the traditional happy hours. And those are great too. We do try to include an educational component in a lot of our events, um, we recognize that young lawyers are very busy people. And so to the extent that we can give our members a social aspect, a physical aspect, and or um, a drinking aspect or coffee, or we try to we try to offer and jam as many things into our events as possible, so that we can maximize um, our members time and make sure that when they're with us, they're feeling like they're spending their time efficiently for them and for their needs and purposes. 
You know, and I, and I think that was a great description. You know, it was really interesting to me as I was getting involved in Wildy just how diverse our programming uh, really was and how many uh, different topics and different kind of activities and kind of targeting different people. Um, we did one of my uh, favorite events uh, is, uh, and I don't actually think we were doing it this year because of COVID, but traditionally we've done um, kind of a mixer for DU and CU law students um, at uh, Punchbowl Social. Um, and, you know, being at CU, we, we didn't make it down to Denver a ton uh, when I was in law school, and I didn't know many DU law students. And I think it's such a great opportunity to meet people from other schools and also to meet other lawyers. Um, and so it was a really a kind of rewarding um, experience. Yeah, that's that. That is a fun one. Um, another one that just popped in my into my mind was we um, co-sponsored a karaoke night with the LGBT bar. Mm. That's really fun. So really, like I said, we try to be all things to all people. And if there's something um, that any of our listeners would like to see us do, they should absolutely get in touch with one of us because uh, we we can pull off some fun stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you joined, I think, back in 2015, as you said, and then um, eventually you uh, took on some leadership positions within the YLD. Um, what kind of leadership opportunities are available to young lawyers um, if they get involved with the YLD and the executive council and, and things like that? So the executive council is a great place to start. And then within the executive council, uh, we have several subcommittees. And it's, it's really a place where a person can make it, make their experience their own. Um, whether someone is interested in um, professional development and education, whether they're interested in more social events or um, DEI events, anything that someone's passionate about or interested in, we can make happen and they can take their own leadership role, even if there's not a title associated with it. Um, Kevin, when you joined the board, we didn't have a communications subcommittee and we didn't have a communications officer. Uh, for our listeners, Kevin has been our communications officer for the last nine days. So Yes, nine <laughs> whole days, getting it done. Yes, so uh, that's a great example of how people can join the board and make make their experience their own. Um, then obviously there's the chair-elect and chair position. And that's a really great opportunity for someone who may be interested in checking out what uh, the broader bar leadership experience is like. The CBA YLD chair sits on the CBA Executive Council, and they also sit on the nominating committee for the CBA, which chooses the region vice presidents as well as the next chair, or excuse me, the next president of the Colorado Bar Association. And so there are a lot of um, really neat meetings that the chair gets to be a part of and really a lot of pe great people that they get to meet. And then um, it opens up more doors for young lawyers to become leaders and, and to go on into other positions in the bar. During your time with the Wild D, or, or maybe more specifically during your time as a chair, what is the one thing that you're kind of most proud of of during your um, your time in in leadership? Like one thing that you can look at back on and kind of say, yeah, that was that was something really cool we did. I'm really proud of the work we did there. So I'm going to be a bad student and not answer the question question directly because I got too many answers. I don't have just one thing I'm most proud of. This the last year, I am so proud of this council and so many wonderful things that we did as a group. Um, 
back in December, we implemented, Ryan Payton worked very, very hard and implemented diversity and inclusivity plan of our own um, that had accountability measures involved. And we also, um, we standardized our process for selecting our outstanding young lawyer of the year. That's, uh, that was a really, really important thing. And it's procedural, but it's very important that that award is given out based on standard metrics and um, that that person is selected with a fair process. Um, this podcast is one thing that has been amazing to see come to life. And um, just to see all of the leaders in this organization dream up cool ideas and then make them happen has been fantastic. And then the last one I'll talk about, I'm probably missing so many and I'll kick myself later, but um, <laughs> the last one I'll talk about is the upcoming federal limited appearance program. And that is currently in its in the end stages of proposal form. It's currently with um, the district judges at the federal court, at the United States District Court for the District of Colorado. And that's a program that, as it's currently envisioned, will allow young lawyers to take pro bono cases on a limited basis. And so they'll take portions of pro se cases and they'll be able to have stand-up time in federal court for um, just for one appearance or two or three. And they can certainly run with the rest of the case if they'd like. But it's, it's going to be a great opportunity to get more pro se parties lawyers when they need them so that they can help advance the ball in their own case and, and move forward and feel like they've got um, – like they've had a better experience with the judicial system. And it's also – going to be a great opportunity for young lawyers to get more exposure in federal court and more experience so that throughout their careers, um, they'll be able to grow and and build on those experiences and move forward that way. So that's something I'm very, very excited about. You know, and I have to say I am too. It sounds like such a cool program. I think anytime we can get more young lawyers into court and also help um, kind of the access to justice issue that can be, uh, that has troubled our profession for a very long time. And there's a lot of really smart people trying to work on creative ways uh, to get more people easier access to lawyers. Um, And I think this is a really wonderful program that you guys have worked really hard on, uh, you and several others. Um, And it's going to be really uh, interesting to watch where it goes and how it can grow. Um, to kind of wrap up here, if people want to get involved in the YLD and whether they want to join the executive council or, um, or not, how would they kind of go about kind of getting their feet wet uh, in the in the YLD program? Or so YLD? a couple a couple suggestions. Um, we we send out a YLD member survey to our new members, and so and it's also on our website. And so if someone is listening to this podcast and they've decided they're interested. You can fill out that survey and give us some clues as to the kinds of things you're interested in. If you're interested in public service or volunteering or meeting people or mentors or career advice, you can you can fill out that survey and we will be fed that information and we'll know to reach out to you and we'll know what kinds of things uh, you're interested in and we'll be able to provide you that information. Uh, another way is you can email me, you can email Kevin. Um, you can also just watch uh, watch our Facebook and our Instagram and show up at events, virtual or in person, when we start having them. We are planning. We've got some really great wellness events that are coming up uh, virtually, and this summer we're going to try to do some socially distance hiking. So even though we have COVID, that doesn't mean we're sitting around. It doesn't mean you can't reach us. Please show up, reach out, call us, any, any one of us on the executive council or the advisory board to the executive council would be more than happy to talk with you about ideas. I'm happy to go have coffee. I 
I love meeting young lawyers. Like I said, it's one of my passions is meeting young lawyers and helping, um, helping young lawyers realize whatever their goals are uh, to the extent that I can be helpful. And how, uh, what would be the best way for young lawyers to contact you? Um, would that be via email? And if so, what is your email address? Email is fantastic. And <clears throat> excuse me, it's Danae, my first name, D-A-N-A-E at WoodyLawLLC.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danae, for coming on the podcast today. And uh, actually, uh, because you mentioned it, this is going to be a plug for our Instagram page. Yes. Uh, follow us on Instagram. It's CO Bar underscore YLD. Uh, we launched that earlier this year. We've got a lot of great content. At least some of it will make you laugh some of the time, which is, you know, <laughs> improvement in your life. So go ahead, whip out your phone, follow it. And uh, while your phone's open, also leave us a review for this podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. I uh, look forward to working with you uh, in the coming years. Thank you, Kevin. Get legal with it.